HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food and drink lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Boys, welcome back. Souther, you've been busy. What's Dude. going on? Not, not that that's anything new. <laughs> I was about to say, that's not breaking news. I have been busy. Um, but I've been doing some stuff uh, with Shaker and Spoon, our good friends who you know released the Speakeasy uh, cocktail box. Um, which has been flying off the shelves. They're having a great time with that. And we've been getting a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, great, um, you know, reaction on social media from that, especially, frankly, I think from from Greg's bathtub gin cocktail. I think that's gotten, <laughs> oh, the, thanks, most, uh, I think that's gotten the most traction that I've seen anyway. I get tagged on all those things. Uh, but they launched their, their Kickstarter uh, last week. Uh, I mentioned it on the show. And uh, it's over 90 grand. We were only looking for 10 grand. They've, they've gotten over 90 grand. It's the Better With Bitters experience that I'm involved in. You get a kit that comes with uh, 12 different bitters. We're going to make three different cocktails eight times each so we can explore the world of bitters. It's crazy. And then just as a side note, I want to mention that my personal Kickstarter starts next Tuesday. First one I've ever done. And it's for my hot sauce. I'm launching a hot sauce called Desert Curse. It's um, habanero, pineapple, and mezcal hot sauce. So lunch is on you, I guess. Yeah, lunch yeah. is on me. <laughs> if we can ever get together in the same room, lunch is on me. I promise. Um, For sure. We'll have lots of desert cur- hot, curse hot sauce on everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds uh, it sounds perfect if we could be back at Roberta's to have a little hot sauce on pizza. Um, oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. I don't know if that would cross the pineapple on pizza rule though. <laughs> the the, the rule true. that it's great. Are you talking about the rule that pineapple on pizza is awesome and you should do oh, it? Oh no, have we never gone down this road together? Oh jeez. Well, this is this is the whole show. So apologies to our guests. We're going to have to spend the next forty five minutes fighting this one out, Souther. Oh no. Um, well, let's not fight, Greg. Let's instead talk about cool stuff. Uh, you had a little field trip to a cave. You went, you went spelunking. Is that what I hear? I did. I did a little spelunking yesterday. Uh, I, I don't know what to, what to call it, caving, because it wasn't. A, it's not a naturally occurring cave. It's actually the mine in upstate mm. New York, in Rosendale, New York, where Widow Jane gets the water to proof their whiskey down with. 
Uh, and I think if you're a regular listener to the show, you have doubtless heard us geek out about limestone before. Uh, limestone mm-hmm. is in, it, it theorized to be responsible for the rise of popularity of bourbon in Kentucky because the water, in fact, that whole state is kind of built on a bed of limestone, an old uh, coral reef from the shallow sea that used to be in that part of the world, you know, a, a couple of dozen years ago or so. And because of the mineral content of the water, it melds with the sort of corn forward mash bill of bourbon exceptionally well, which is why Kentucky bourbon is so goddamn delicious. And mm-hmm. Widow Jane is a really cool company. Uh, actually, they're my, my neighbors. Uh, they live just a little bit up the Brooklyn coast from me in Red Hook. Uh, they're a really, really cool uh, whiskey blender and distiller. And they proof their whiskey down in the barrel with water that they extract from these old mines, these old 200-year-old mines that are also just filtered through layers and layers and layers of limestone. Uh, I got to go up there yesterday, look at some of these awesome subterranean pools that are just crystal clear and like just beautifully reflective. It's almost like a cenote in Mexico, right? A little bit, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and we actually one of my one of my favorite bits of the trip is we brought a bottle of we actually tapped something out of a barrel that morning in Brooklyn, brought it upstate with us, and then when we were down in the mines, we poured a little bit out into cups, and then actually proofed it down ourselves with some water that was just dripping out of the ceiling, <laughs> so just <Fascinating>. straight <laughs> rock filtered water right into the cup to scare the whiskey a little bit. It was it was a very cool experience, and it gave you an appreciation for. Something that, frankly, is probably the majority ingredient in all of the things that we enjoy, yet we don't really think about all that much, which is the the water. And sure. if you're going to use water in, in, you know, something that people are going to drink, which I would say is a good idea to do, uh, you want to really take a lot of care and pride in where it's sourced from. And I just thought that was a really cool – one, it was a cool experience to appreciate that ingredient. And two uh, – I got to go motherfucking spelunking, and that was also fun. <laughs> My question is, what what was the mine? What were they mining when it was a mine? Uh, it was coal, but a lot of it, because of the limestone, actually mm-hmm. got used to make cement. Uh, they right. would actually take a lot of the water that was in there. We also got to see these these wells that had these big, 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 not anymore, but used to have these massive boilers underneath where they would take a lot of the water that would naturally pool in these mines, boil the water off, and then use the sort of limestone uh, dust detritus that was left after that to make cement out of. So this whole town was, was uh, it was a mining town. Apparently, Rosendale, New York, had the highest concentration per capita of bars of anywhere on earth at the height of its mining days. And every bar had a brothel over top of it. So it was one of these kind of company town places where, sure, yeah, we'll pay you to work in the mines. And then please go out and enjoy your hard-earned pay at these establishments that I also own. Oops, you don't have any money left? Well, guess you better right. go back to work tomorrow. Like <laughs> it was company kind of one store, of those. right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm, so, shocked, I'm shocked that they had so many bars in that area because we don't let miners in bars. <laughs> you got two before He's I been did. sitting on that one since the start <laughs> of the show, everybody. I could see it in his eyes. You know, it's like limestone uh, and bourbon. It's like it should be more like lemonstone if 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 I were like. <laughs> uh, come on. Anyway, all right. Let's get to uh, someone who's more of an expert than we are. <laughs> let's get off the dad jokes. Absolutely. Oh, so 
Today in the studio with us today, we have Adam Crocini, who is the Senior Vice President and Global Head of Food and Beverage Brands at a little company you might have heard of called Hilton. Uh, Adam, yeah. thank you so much for, for uh, taking some time out of your schedule to join us. It's good to have you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is I don't, I'm not sure that we've ever had anyone who has a job scope that's quite as large as yours. Yeah on the show before like the, we're talking I, I don't know the exact number i'm sure you do but a large number of properties that are all kind of under your purview so just kind of what is your i guess just to start off what is your day like how do you yeah. how do you triage yeah, how do you have time for us is the question yeah, I, I i should have a martini to have that conversation but it's too early in the day so um <laughs> i'll stay i'll stick with Never. the coffee for now uh, but, uh, you know, what, listen, what my role here at Hilton, I have a very fortunate opportunity to look after the strategic programming and development of food and beverage concepts and programs for all 22 brands that we have here within the Hilton umbrella. So from Spark, which is our newest um, entry level economy brand, all the way up to Waldorf Astoria, uh, we have close to... You know, the number varies almost on a regular basis. I, I can't I can't tell you something in the neighborhood of 6,700 hotels around the globe, 22 brands. We have offices in, you know, I have offices in, in a team in Singapore, in Dubai, in London, in Zurich, in Shanghai. And so uh, with along with me and my team, we look after everything from chef partnerships to bespoke restaurant concepts. We create large-scale prototypical food and beverage venues that get rolled out at scale. And we have programmatic experiences like the Hampton Waffle, as an example, uh, and do the programming for all of our focus service and all suite brands, which is very consistent. If you go to any Hampton Inn, as an example, across the United States on any given day, or go to the next 10 down the street, you will find the exact same experience uh, to a T at any one of those hotels. And our team creates that, curates that, and manages all of those programs globally. I mean, that the, the, the scale of this is so fascinating to me. How does one even begin to, you, you didn't go to, you know, you, you, I know you went to culinary school. You didn't go to culinary school thinking to, thinking to yourself, I'm going to walk out of here and be the head of 6,700 properties that probably have at least one, if not more than one F&B outlets in each one. So we're talking double that number easily of simple outlets that you have to oversee. How does one prepare themselves to, to get to this position? You, you're right about the first part, uh, not exactly where I thought I would end up going into culinary school. My first aspiration was I'm going to be a general manager of a great restaurant and, you know, I'm going to kill it. Uh, and, and I did that. I was very fortunate to work for Wolfgang Huck for the lion's share of my career, mm -hmm. almost 12 years, which brought me to Singapore, Southeast Asia, uh, and uh I opened a restaurant with him in Marina Bay Sands in Singapore, which is uh, the highest generating casino in the world. It does more revenue than the entire Las Vegas Strip. Um, it had 77 food and beverage outlets. Uh, and uh, while I opened that restaurant cut, which is a Michelin starred steakhouse with Wolfgang Puck in that hotel, Las Vegas Sands Corporation, who I'd known from my time in Vegas, said, you should come over and work with us. And you should run Marina Bay Sands for us and run all the food and beverage on property. So after 12 years with Wolf, I did that. And what that opportunity gave for me was to really understand scale 
um, yes, it was all under one building, but the amount of food and beverage revenue that that one hotel generated is more than some entire hotel companies generate in totality. Mm-hmm. And so having 4,000 employees, having 77 different unique food and beverage concepts, having 40 direct reports, and uh, also working in partnerships with Michelin-starred chefs and restaurant groups, it really gave me the flavor and understanding of how to wear a lot of different hats, uh, to touch a lot of different areas of food and beverage, and, and, and partner with a lot of different organizations uh, to help win at the end of the day with our customers. Uh, that experience and having a lot of time in Vegas, I was in Vegas' home base for almost 10 years. Uh, that combined experience, I think, gave me um, really enough understanding of the, of the environment of food and beverage, but also gave me the global exposure to understand the cultural nuances uh, by living in Asia Pacific for 10 years. Um, when Hilton came calling, uh, I was originally luxury and lifestyle for food and beverage globally for Hilton. So it was a smaller remit when I first started. Um, COVID happened and I was the last man standing. Um, And uh, they said, you know, we want you to take over food and beverage for the entire organization for brand strategy and development. And I said, absolutely. And the next thing you knew, I was, you know, working with Hampton Inn and these brands, but as kind of outside of the wheelhouse as that, those brands were and the types of food and beverage experiences we were offering our guests. I'd been doing this since I was 16 years old. And ultimately, in order to be able to execute those programs, you have to know what that particular guest is looking for. So the 30 plus years, not giving away my age entirely, but <laughs> 30 plus years of dealing with food and beverage and, and guests in different markets across the United States, in Europe, and in Asia Pacific, I feel like I have a very, very much my finger on the pulse of what our guests are looking for. And ultimately, we're only successful if we can meet our guests where they are. We have 22 unique brands. We need to have 22 food and beverage experiences that speak to those consumers because they're checking into their hotel. They're looking for something very unique and that's that's curated for them in that moment in time. And it also helps to create that delineation between our 22 brands. Cause with every guest experience, every, every trip you want it to make the, the trip stay and the trip occasion um, special. And when they go to the next brand, they, they have moments in that brand too, so that it keeps them engaged in all of our brands because we want to make sure that we're not, you know, commoditizing ourselves and mm-hmm. really differentiating that experience from hotel brand to hotel brand. Yeah. So, talk a little bit was- about how, Sorry, go ahead. So, so I, I bet we're about to ask the same question. Um, <laughs> I, I was wondering, like, what the guest experience has been like since COVID. Like, since I mean, you you call that that you've been in this for a very long time. There's a reason why we do radio instead of TV because I mean, you can see this now, but the guests uh, listening to the show can't. But I've got a lot of white sure. hairs in my beard. Um, <laughs> I shaved but, mine off. I shaved mine off today. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I might do it later, but. Um, I, you know, so many things have changed since COVID. I mean, like, I, like the three of us on the show, we travel a ton for work. And I, I know we have our own, like, kind of outlook on how things have changed. And also we we run and own and operate bars and restaurants. So I would like to get your take on what you've seen and what the, the as you mentioned, like the customer expectation and, and like kind of like ROS for, for like, 
I feel like there's still some lingering things from, uh, you know, a lot of lingering things from COVID, but we're, our jobs are to like make people feel comfortable and basically forget about all the, the worries in the world. So I just kind of want to get your take on what, uh, what, what your experience has been with that. Yeah. A couple things post COVID. I think one is it, it showed us in the industry that the guest today versus the guest say three years ago is far more educated than ever before in the world of sure. food and beverage for two plus years. They were home having to fend for themselves. The majority, the lion's share of the American market specifically doesn't necessarily pride themselves on being professional home cooks, or in fact, don't ever, didn't ever have to cook for themselves. And very often it was takeout, it was prepared meals from grocery stores, it was going out to dinner on a regular basis. And so for two plus years, that all had to happen inside of the walls of their kitchen, inside yeah, of their everyone home. Everyone became and, banana bread experts. Right. <laughs> totally. The, you know, the, the, the sour, the sourdough, the yeah. sourdough madness that was that was um, COVID. But what happened during that period of time is that all these individuals were home watching the Food Network. They're watching sure. all this culinary based programming, which, by the way, at any prime time, primetime television spot on any major network, there's some type of food based show taking place now across the Americas. Masterclass had its highest enrollment of all time with more than 70% of its consumers or, or um, subscribers watching food-based programming. And so coming out of it, you know, we're, you know, this is always the world where everyone's an expert in food and beverage, but now coming out of COVID, you really see that our guests are, again, they're far more educated in the space. They're looking for ingredients. They, they're in tune with different, you know, cuisines, different culinary trends mixology so as a industry independent restaurants and in the hotel space we had to take this very seriously because it we needed to raise the standard the standard of execution the standard sure. of delivering concepts that were forward thinking and contemporary uh, because they had a lot of time to educate themselves so that was one part that i think is something that we all need to be cognizant of uh, and we see it coming from guest commentary on a regular basis from the questions that they ask, the types of restaurants that they're looking for, the types of experiences they want when they travel. On the other I, hand, they're, they're looking I was gonna for. Ask, is, it, yeah. is it like exciting for you? I mean, like, because I, I can tell you that, like, I've I've done a lot of hotel consultation in the past, and like, you know, like I remember like doing some. Uh, I won't mention the names of the hotels because we're we're not going to talk about them today. But um, some very very large, very well established, like. Midtown Manhattan uh, hotels that uh, you know a lot of the bartenders had come from like the Rainbow Room and they're like old guard and they were like you want me to do what with this cocktail you want me to shake it right. like that's funny because like you I, want you know, me to burn the, an orange peel <laughs> yeah yeah, like, yeah exactly it was like they just they were like so they pushed back so hard on it and uh, so that was that was one thing that I noticed but then like I feel like these days especially with consumers just in general, like educating themselves, it's, it's we're kind of living in a bubble in New York City, you know, because the, everyone there is they want to know about everything, you know. But um, I feel like uh, you know it must be exciting. I would hope that it's exciting for you and for your teams and your your staff to kind of be pushed in that direction where you've got to like really come with your your A game, you know, and yeah, you got to stay wow. ahead of the audience. 
Right. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I mean, listen, it is fun for us. You know, we have this great team around the globe uh, of young professionals that are really in tune with what's happening in the market. They're ahead of the curve. They're on trend. And as we build out concepts and programs for our hotel, we're prescribing bar programs where you have to have a clear ice. You have to have an ice program. You know, no, no one ever said that, by the way. Five years ago, no one ever (laughs) said your hotel has to have an ice program. People ask me, what do you mean an ice program? I'm like, exactly that. You need to have block ice, chipped ice. You need to make sure you have Japanese clear ice. Yeah, an ice program. program. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. It is is fun to be in this space because we're the, I guess you would say, the creative arm. Of our of our organization, we're the visionaries. We come up with the phenomenal ideas. We're the ones that we think will create stickiness with our customer, and then we partner with our hotels and our management companies to operate on our vision and execute it. Um, as we've kind of taken pen to paper and, and painted out what that vision looks like, um, you know. But on the on the uh, post COVID world, I was going to also say too wellness is become it's become paramount in in the conversation our guests are looking for fresh healthy better for you locally sourced free trade all of these things are coming to the surface in our engagement with our consumer um we did a little pilot when i moved back to the united states i had to stay at a whole bunch of hotels and i noticed that our retail programming in our hotels was you know, your grab and goes in your markets. We were we were not doing right by our consumer and our guests because the products that we were offering just were high calorie, high sugar, um, and not good quality products. And so what we did was we took the opportunity to take, knowing that our customers were looking for these better for you products, we took a hundred SKUs out of our retail market in a Homewood Suites, which is our extended stay brand, which was very popular during COVID. Um, and we replaced them with fresh, healthy, better for you. We really, really, really challenged ourselves and challenged our hotels by prescribing products like seaweed chips, mochi ice cream, uh, night food ice cream, which has lower sugar content so you can go to bed easy at night, and things along these lines, snack foods like Smart Pop and things that are very low calorie but freshly prepared and really exciting packaging. And, you know, we saw results that were just staggering, actually, 85% increase in sales from the same Mm. store markets. All of the products that were moving were these fresh, healthy, better for you seaweed chips being like the number one seller of (laughs) snack foods, replacing Doritos and other brands. No, no disrespect to Doritos, but they have moved to the bottom of the selection process. Because people are really looking for this. And the results were so strong in our test of over 20 hotels that we've now standardized 100 products across every Homewood Suites in America. And every retail store across all of these brands, you will start to see the transition to these brands that are just, again, organic, fresh, healthy, better for you, low calorie, smartly sourced, and so on. So I think that as an as a industry, we need to really focus on the fact that one, it's the right thing to do for our consumer. Uh, it's the right thing to do for our guests, uh, but equally that they're looking for and they'll mm-hmm. pay for it. Yeah, you know, speaking of wellness, I mean, it's it's extremely important. I mean, Greg was hanging out in a well this last weekend. Um, but <laughs> but it, it's, speaking of wells, it, water is like something that I've really noticed at hotels that's changed like dramatically over the past few years. 
it, you know, and it's just, it kind of coincides with like the, the, the healthier snacks and things like that. But like, I feel like, you know, you were talking about uh, the kind of the hilarity of like, uh, you know, what a few years ago we would never talk about ice programs for a hotel group or whatever. But like, I've just noticed a lot of the hotels that I've stayed at over the past few years, they've really like leaned in. I'm a huge water nerd and so i love like going to different hotels regionally and seeing like the local spring waters and things like that so like and obviously water is a big part of wellness but um we've always known that but it's kind of cool to see not just like the big like tasanis and evians uh of the world it's it's that's i don't just that's an observation on my end that i i think is really important um so i yeah i think and the another thing is i've also noticed a lot of like in the like mini bars in hotels things like like amaro and like lower abv uh spirits that have you uh kind of leaned into that as well when it comes to wellness we think about like the, the healthy stuff but then also there's the fun stuff too that you know from the bar <laughs> set of things and how that's starting to evolve in the industry as well have you kind of seen any change with that yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, the water, the water aspect uh, of the guest stay in our hotels. You know, many of our brands are leaning into what we water filtration stations on the floors of the hotel, sure. doing away with the plastic bottles, the single-use yeah. plastic bottles. You know, if you look at if you look at California, if you look at Canada, other states, the UK. Um, pretty soon, they're not even going to be able to sell plastic bottles in, in, right. in the states period, full stop. And so we need to, one, it's the right thing to do, but so we're, we're trying to build where we are by brand standard canopy, our new brand tempo, our lifestyle brand. We're leaning into this by putting water filtration, filtration stations on every floor um, and allowing people to buy the bottles downstairs if they don't have them with them when they travel. Um, with the low ABV, we're seeing a huge, um, a huge movement here, um, not only in the the bottled uh, cocktails and beverages that we offer in our retail space, but we, knowing that this post-COVID world, that this is a part of the market that's increasing in sales, we created for Tempo, our new uh, lifestyle yeah. brand, we created an entire cocktail program that is called Spirited and Free Spirited. And the Free Spirited Cocktails are like for like in look and taste and garnish and presentation of the spirited version. We're, mm -hmm. we're partnering with Liars uh, and their selection of free spirited, we call them free spirited, not non-alcoholic, non uh, free spirited <laughs> um, beverages that really mirror the flavor and taste profile of the spirited version. Um, and so now we have an entire cocktail program. There's nine handcrafted cocktails. We're using things like activated charcoal and green matcha and also adding to that wellness element of things in both versions. So you can have a, a, a matcha margarita that has green tea and fresh lime juice, et cetera, et cetera, with real tequila or you could have the free-spirited version, but it still has the matcha in it. And so we're making sure that we're threading the needle between both cocktails, and it gives people the opportunity to have choice and control in their drinking experience. It makes a guest feel super comfortable. I just had a margarita. I'm going to take a minute, but I still want to have a cocktail in my hand. 
maybe don't necessarily want the room to know I'm taking a moment, but I still have another margarita in my hand. Sure. And so you get to have that choice and kind of, you know, create the, the, the tempo, if you will, of your own evening. Yeah. Are you, are you employing this in like RTDs and things like that, that you can buy in the shops uh, as well as in the bar uh, properties? Not, not yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. This is a brand new program for us. We just opened our first tempo in, in Times Square and in TSX right. in New York City uh, with uh, about 35 more that will be built over the next two years here in the United States. Um, and that's something that we're talking about. We want to refine and tweak the recipes, refine and tweak the program. But we do think that there's an opportunity for that. Um, in the in the tempo brand as well, we also, in the wellness side, we leaned in and partnered with Bluestone Lane. A brand you might be familiar with out of mm-hmm. New York, uh, based in New York, about 100 locations now in the United States. They're an Australian coffee cafe, and they really lean into the wellness as far as their food program is concerned. Not only is it a great Australian coffee program, but the food is, you know, you have grain bowls and avocado toast and you know, proteins on, on barley and fresh grilled vegetables. And so that wellness aspect within the Tempo brand is not only in the drinking space, but also in the food program. I like yeah, the idea of like the free spirited, you know, the, like it's almost like you started on the, 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 the other direction than what we traditionally have thought about it. You know, like we start with a cocktail and then we make it free spirited. It sounds like you almost started free spirited and then you're adding alcohol to those, you know, going yeah. the other direction. You have the option of adding alcohol to it rather than take omitting it from the cocktail. So I think yeah, that's instead a really of taking cool something away, you're adding something and kind of reverse right. engineering. Yeah, that's um, right. I mean, listen, the, the, the mocktail world, I mean, that it, it's you know, heavy juices, syrups, you know, it's it's a lot of things that are, you know, might not have alcohol, but it's being replaced with a lot of things that are high in sugar, syrupy, overly right. sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've taken a, and, and juice forward. And so we've taken a little bit of a different approach to your point. Yeah, I love it. Listen, there's something I've noticed in, in the hotels that I've been staying at lately. And I think it ties into the, what you were talking about, about how during COVID, uh, the consumer got themselves very well educated. You know, I taught several Zoom classes myself throughout that time of people for people to learn how to make cocktails. I've stayed in hotels now that have everything you need, including, um, you know, uh, instructions and, and ingredients uh, and tools to make cocktails in room. Are, are you guys exploring that at all? Yeah, we actually do that in some of our hotels, uh, specifically the luxury and lifestyle space. Uh, we'll do those for in-room amenities. We'll have those in our mini bars, depending on the market uh, and, and, and the clientele that we're serving. So some of our Waldorf Astorias in Asia Pacific and such, we'll have those as part of the in-room mini bar service program. Uh, mm-hmm. Equally, our uh, our lifestyle and, and luxury hotels will do those as amenities for guests with all the tools and the shakers and the, the clear ice. Uh, yeah, what I saw and- what I saw that was interesting was a um, there was a cocktail kit in the room that that had cocktails that were available at the bar, and you could make those drinks in your room. And then in the in the store at the at the hotel. The kits were available for sale without the alcohol, uh, everything you need to make the drinks that you just had so you could take the experience home as well. That's pretty, yeah, pretty it's, a, it's, it's definitely something that we are going to continue to explore as we further dive into our retail grab-and-go experiences in our hotels for to keep that memory alive of your stays. So are you able to take that moment home with you? And, and actually in, uh, in our Conrad in Punta Mita and in the Waldorf Astoria Pedregal, both in Mexico, 
we have Agave Studios. And in those Agave Studios, you can sit through and as part of the guest experience, have an educate, educational moment in the hotel, a tutorial, a tasting uh, private. And then you can also take your tequilas from or mezcals from that space. We package them up for you. We have our own brands as well. And then we wow. deliver them back to you. So they're there for you upon arrival when you return home uh, from the hotels. That's, That's great. Do you also sell the, uh, I just, I just thought of this because I'm a huge, like, and we all are, uh, I'm sure you can sign with us on this. You know, we're all huge cocktail nerds and we collect a lot of cocktail books. Uh, luckily we get a lot of publishers sending us, uh, free books <laughs> because we're the number yeah. one rated radio show on the subject. Um, but there's a, a classic book. It's the Waldorf, the old Waldorf Astoria book. Do you have that available? Is that around in the hotels for sale? I, I, I mean, I have it here in my office on my bookshelf somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where it is, but we definitely have it. And you know, to that to that point, the Waldorf Astoria bar book. If you go to any great bar around the world, you will find sure. the Waldorf Astoria bar book. Um, we we we've partnered with Proof and Company out of Singapore. Proof and Company is yeah, one of Proof and Company is one of the uh, preeminent cocktail, um, I would say, um, consultants uh, in the world. They are behind Manhattan Bar, Twenty Eight Hong Kong Street, um, Atlas Bar, um, bars that are all on the Fifty World's Best. Uh, they produce their own spirits. Uh, they uh, are called True Believers. Uh, they have. Um, their own sustainable liquor distribution company called Eco Spirits, uh, and they also have this incredible consultancy program. And so, I've known them from my time in Singapore. I was a regular at Twenty Eight Hong Kong Street, as one does. And you, when, when we had the, when we were looking at advancing the next generation of Waldorf Astoria, the Waldorf Astoria New York is coming back online in the next year or so give or take. Uh, it's been under remodel for quite some time. Uh, yeah. And when, and knowing that the Waldorf Astoria Bar Book was created out of that original space of Peacock Alley, we said we need to kind of, we need to relaunch Waldorf Astoria's Peacock Alley. And so why don't we work with one of the best in the business? And so we reached out to Proof and Company. We are partnering with them to create Two things. One, they're going to create a signature ritual that will take place at every single Waldorf Astoria's Peacock Alley around the world. Um, the the ritual is still to it's it's defined, but we've not gone completely public yet, so I don't want to spoiler alert until it hits the market. Um, but we will be doing a ritual moment around the spirit of the cocktail and hearkening back to some of the classic recipes from Waldorf Story Bar Book while at the same time creating something new and something fresh by region that that hotel can celebrate in a moment of time at every single Peacock Alley. But equally, the Waldorf Astoria in New York, uh, when Peacock Alley there is rebirthed, uh, Proof and Company Singapore will be actually doing the curation of the entire Peacock Alley bar program. And when we, when we reached out to them, uh, it was incredible because uh, the gentleman from Proof and Company, when I said, hey, you know, how do you feel about, you know, doing the program for us at 
Waldorf Astoria. He said, you mean the Waldorf Astoria? The Waldorf Astoria, Barbara <laughs> Waldorf Astoria. And he turned around from his desk and he grabbed the book and he held it up and he goes, this one? And I said, yeah, that one. And he's like, I'll do it for free. <laughs> Yeah, it's got so much fandom, you know, or, or sure, it's got a huge space, cachet. I mean, huge cachet. And it's 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 the, it's the greatest of all. It's the greatest of all time, if, if you will. It's the goat. Yeah. yeah and now, what is it? What is it like for you to be a steward of that legacy? Like, what was it like for you when this project fell into your lap? And how do you even how do you even what is step one when you're charged with? Uh, doing a remastered version of one of the most famous bars of all time. You know, it's a, it's a good question. You know, we we pride ourselves uh, on on taking maybe some things that were there historically and giving them their rightful place in the sun, bringing them to the new modern day. And so there it is. There's there's the book. It's right behind me. <laughs> right behind you. Um, you know, it, it's a great honor you know, to be able to be in my seat and to be able to have this opportunity to help curate and to help pen out the future of this organization's food and beverage, to be able to take something as classic as Peacock Alley and bring it to its new modern day, the new branding that we've just done, which has already released the new the new logo package. It took the old Peacock with the fan and we've created this new modern word mark for it that's just absolutely stunning and really will take this and transition the brand into the next 10 years of time. And so it's a, it's a great honor for me to be able to be in this place with Hilton, to be able to have the access to my friends and partners in the industry that I've worked with over the last three decades and call upon them and engage them when we have the right moments and opportunity and time to partner with those brands and groups, restaurants and chefs around the world that are subject matter experts in their space. And so with the, with rising tides, um, so we're looking to always find the right opportunity to work with people um, that we could elevate our brands and our food and beverage programs together. Now, the Waldorf story has been under remodel here in New York for for quite some time, as you mentioned. Is there is there an estimated time of a, a relaunch, or, or is there? I'm sure there's going to be some big fanfare, and I want to make sure I don't miss it. Yeah, we will make sure you are on the invite list. <laughs> uh, I, I know my I know my PR team is listening in, so we'll make sure that you get on that list. Uh, we're looking to say, let's say, late 2024. Oh, okay, still a little ways yeah. to go. It yeah, is big, a, a, a it is a, a massive undertaking. You know, yeah, the, sure. the 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 majority of the building is protected by the Historical Society of New York, right? Yeah, and so from the tiles in the floor to the soffits in the ceiling and the cornices uh, to some of the art that was there historically, the clock went through a I think yeah. a four year um, um, uh, refreshment of all of the inner workings of the famous clock. There's always a place in Peacock Alley was between the old Astoria and the Waldorf, and and they that, that's where people would come down the middle with their with their headdresses on and the flappers, and that's where the peacock um, came from. And they would always, they would always say, "Meet me at the clock." And so the clock is coming back. The original Waldorf Astoria is coming. The clock is coming back, um, but you'll have a space that has really been transformed in time. Uh, Pierre Yibrichon, the very famous interior designer, is personally doing every single wow. room, every single piece of furniture. Everything is going to be curated for that hotel. 
Incredible. Um, That's amazing. I want to talk a little bit about your your partnership with Proofing Company. You mentioned, and, and you've lived in Asia and been around Asia and obviously have properties there. And I know that over there, they use that eco, I think you said it before, and I can't remember what it's called, that, that eco spirit. That 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 container that they ship the booze in, and yes. I'm I'm chomping at the bit waiting for that thing to come to America. And I know it's just a, a matter of uh, it's here. Of, it, it's in America now. It is. Yeah, uh, they opened up their first eco plant in Miami, Florida, and they just opened up another uh, in Los Angeles. And so you'll you we Hilton will be partnering them here in the Americas because they're also going to be doing eco wine. Um, and so you know you think about. Uh, a uh, a banquet for five thousand people, and they're mm-hmm. doing a wines by the glass pour at the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking thousands of glass bottles that are having yeah. to be recycled mm-hmm. or not. And probably not. The, problem, the e- yeah. co- correct. Yeah, I mean the eco the eco tote, and then partnering with certain tote, wineries in California will be able to remove glass bottles out of the distribution cycle of that product, liquor and liquor, spirits and wine. And so it's an incredible product. We're super proud to, to work with them. We sponsored the James Beard Awards this year mm-hmm. and uh, they came to uh, they came to Chicago. Proof and Company had this incredible setup with us the Peacock Alley Proof and Company set up at Union Station in Chicago for the ceremony. We did activations across the city, and then we did an event at our cocktail bar, Bernard's, at the Waldorf Astoria, Chicago. If you've never been, you should definitely go. It's a phenomenal cocktail bar. And uh, we had Eco Spirits there with us and uh, a whole bunch of press and media, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, just That's to amazing. edify the listener real fast, the Eco Toad is a, I don't know, what, what's the size of the thing? It's I've never seen one. Yeah, it, it comes in, I think, various amounts of sizes. Uh, there's some different liquor laws in the United States, but, but yeah, all the way, issue, I think right? all the way, all the way up to three liters, I believe, in Asia Pacific, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So it's a larger tote and it's reusable, right? So you, you don't you don't even have to think about recycling. So let's just say whatever gin it is you're using behind your bar, you now get it in these large totes that are uh, three liters or more. Uh, you you decant that into the bottles that you need behind the bar so you can use for service. But then you send this unit back. It gets reused. That, that were massive reduction in glass. And I, I think it's a huge and amazing initiative. And I'm, again, yeah. as a, as an owner of business, I'm chomping like, at the bit. What's that? Yeah, it reminds me of like the, the old school, like, the, you know, when you think about like the, the 19th century, like we didn't, we didn't buy like cases of beautifully labeled glass bottles. You bought a barrel and you, you bought a barrel. Just, yeah. You reused your bottles, you know, and that's, it's kind of like the modern version of that. That's super cool. I like to equate it to like the modern version of uh, the alcoholic version of uh bag in the box for sodas, yeah, sure. you know, except for <laughs> yeah. this one is completely reusable, uh, but you should have Zdenek uh, on the show. Zdenek Kastanik. From, he's the managing director of Proof and Company in Eco Spirits. He's based in Miami. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a, one of my closest friends, and uh, he's a, a master of all things beverage in that space. We can definitely connect you guys. Yeah, I'd love, we'd great. love to get him on, and and because this is a, a topic that you know we're all in, interested in. And as you've mentioned earlier in the show, the consumer is much more educated now, and I think that we're the obvious bits of sustainability uh the ones we're talking about right now like are we treating the planet right are we using our resources correctly you know those are the initial parts of the a puzzle and then as you mentioned earlier as well the consumer is more interested also in the deeper bits of sustainability are we treating the employees correctly are we treating communities correctly are we doing fair trade so i think this is a uh, to me it's a kind of uh you know a, a 
plain and simple next step is to be reductive in, in the use of things. And I know that a lot of it in America comes from just legislation about bottle size. And so I, I just I, I see it happening in Asia. And I think, you know, there's they're always ahead of the curve on, on initiatives. And I just can't wait for America to get on board and, and be a little bit more you know reductive. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we still, you know, in, in South Carolina, you had to buy all your liquor in, in, in airline bottles. <laughs> yeah, know? that's right. You know, that just makes me think, too, about the water conversation um, at Tempo in New York City. Not only do we have the filtration systems, but we're working with and partnering with Planet Water. And we're selling the water bottles in the retail market for people to refill up on the floors for themselves and take with them throughout their day in the city. And Planet Water, through our partnership at Tempo New York City, has already built our first aqua tower in Puebla, Mexico to provide for, for people who do not have enough water source for their, for their communities and for their villages. And so we've already done that to the point that you've just made about giving back to the communities, finding ways to support the people that are um, supporting us. We have now built our, a water tower through Planet Water and our partnership with them, which we're going to continue to roll out at every tempo and find ways to get clean, drinkable water to people who don't have access to it. I mean, that's incredible. I, I know that you're a very busy person and, uh, you know, you've got so many properties and so many things to oversee and, and that's certainly got to be uh, challenging. But it also sounds to me, and, you know, and I hope it's true, that you're you're doing some work that makes you feel fulfilled as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, from the work that we are able to do with areas like partnering with EcoSpirits and know that we're doing the right thing, a small piece of a very big ecosystem that's trying to make a difference to being into, you know, building, you know, water filtration systems and giving back to the community, clean drinking water that's safe for them to the other aspect of what we do, which is being able to be hyper creative and think outside of the box and shoot for the stars with concepts, with partnerships, with programming and really rethink the industry, rethink food and beverage for Hilton, it goes down to maybe as simple as the Hampton waffle, which has been the Hampton waffle for 20 plus years. Well, this year we did it, we did decide to kind of turn it on its head and we did seasonal flavored waffles and we did pumpkin spice. It's coming to you soon. We did it last year, <laughs> but it was the highest pumpkin spice waffles. And then we did red velvet for Valentine's Day. It was the highest social traction in Hampton history. Right. just by changing the waffle to pumpkin spice and red velvet. And what that did was that impacted hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who have stayed at the Hampton brand and then keeps them interested in a program that was kind of stagnant for a while. And mm -hmm. we took the opportunity to say, you know what, we could rethink this. Let's, how can we give some energy and some buzz to something that had been just a waffle for a very long time? And I know it seems simple, but when you know you're having that kind of impact, and hundreds of thousands of people in social media are basically shutting down your social pages in traction. Uh, we almost killed it one day when we announced it because everyone went crazy over pumpkin spice. Um, it's a thing. Um, Six yeah. billion dollars, six billion dollar industry in forty five days of every year in the United States. <laughs> This is, um, this is actually a great time to mention that our next episode of the Speakeasy is going to be a pumpkin spice flavored episode. Um, oh, how are we going to do it? How how are you going to taste the podcast? I guess you'll have to listen to find out. That's right. But it's going to be our number one podcast of all time. Um, I, this does bring up a point that I wanted to ask about all of these different um, levels of properties that you curate, though. And 
I, I, I wanted to know how you stay innovative at different levels, because in, in the experience that I have designing a, a beverage program, I'm working at like one level, I have an idea of like what my customer is after. But I've stated it, you know, I have a very different expectation of staying at like a very fancy, very fun hotel that I know is going to be an experience versus if I stay at a Red Roof Inn for mm -hmm. an afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, and hey. so how do you, uh, how do you, I don't want to say, is there a dumbing down process there? But I also feel like a seaweed ship at one of these Red Roof Inn sort of places would be, um, it would feel out of place. How do you how do you manage that, and how do you manage to stay creative in places where maybe people just kind of want creature comforts? Yeah, listen, I, as to the point I made earlier, twenty two brands, twenty two different customer bases that we're we're looking to serve. Being able to, and this is something the mantra around our team, uh, two things we always say: less is more, done better. And let's meet our guests where they are. And so we need to, and I have a team of people around the world and we all meet globally as a team almost weekly and discuss what's happening in the market, what we should be focusing on, what are we doing for this particular brand? Where is that brand moving? And we want to make sure that we're keeping pace with what our customers are looking for. We need to be in tune to what they need every day in their daily life, what they're looking for. And yes, you're correct. Seaweed chips was a was a, a gamble. Rolled the dice on that one, you know. And but at the same time, we still had two flavors of Doritos. We still yeah, had yeah. You Twix, didn't you didn't limit the. We still had M Ms. You still have your Coca Cola products, but you also have kombucha. And so it's we're giving people choice and control, but knowing that even in brands that you would suspect. The, to, the, to a competitive brand that you had mentioned, what they would be looking for in their particular guest experience in that stay. We think about each one of our brands and we don't want to get rid of the creature comforts. Hey, listen, I like a good bag of Pringles or something like this on sometimes too. Um, yeah, no, a cool, a cool wanna... ranch Dorito is perfection in triangle form. Oh, I mean, there's, you can't, my, you can't improve my, on that. My, my wife would probably tend to agree with you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it, it just boils down to it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about what my team thinks. It's, it's what the customer is telling us, what we do around the data and the research our customers are telling us about, what they're looking for. And we listen. You know, we listen. I'd say we listen loudly uh, about what it is that they're looking for. And we try to meet their needs. And, then, yeah, it's tricky because we have cost you know, 6,000 plus hotels and 22 brands yeah. around the globe. But we, we work on that as a team and we're constantly trying to work with our brands and our guests to understand what that looks like. That's hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. Simple, that's right. You know, that's like, that's right. You know, it's like you say, we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for them. And that's like, and you're just doing it for a lot more people than the three of us. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but speaking of that, I mean, like, I mean, like you're obviously a very busy person. I know we've we've gotten a chance today to talk with you about. I I've, I I love talking with people in the the hotel world because there's so much cool insight that we get that we don't get at our you know. I mean, Souther owns like 20 properties. I own a few. Uh, it, it, like we, it, you know, Greg. I have no idea what Greg does anymore. Um, I, <laughs> you and me both. Once you figure it out, please tell me. Yeah, but, uh, but it's it's cool to see and like to hear about 
what's going on in such a, a larger scale. And it is really impressive. Like I'm in Vegas probably three or four times a year. And it's just oh, like, yeah. it, I know that where, where you're coming from with that, because wow, what a, what a massive undertaking, uh, you know, that just even one of those properties, it's pretty insane. But um, yeah, I, I, this has been so awesome. I, I want to look into the eco spirits thing. Cause that sounds really, mm-hmm. that's totally up my alley. And yeah, I think we've gotten a lot of really great information today from you. So I really appreciate your time, Adam. Yes. Um, what, you know, like, I, I just wanted to, like, it's kind of like that, uh, what was that movie, uh, Catch Me If You Can? Uh, like, like when uh, <laughs> the dad's asking, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, it's like, so just tell me, where are you going tonight? Where? What's your next stop? <laughs> oh, gosh, you know, listen, I think as an organization, um, on, on a professional level, Hilton is, you know, truly focused on how we can continue to bring contemporary, relevant, and forward-thinking experiences in food and beverage to our guests at every level. So again, we continually to innovate. We need to continue to keep things fresh. So as a as a global F&B team, we want to make sure that we are again we're meeting our guests where there are. We're continuing to keep things super fresh, super interesting, and creating moments of food and beverage inside of our hotels that are memorable. Uh, on a personal level, uh, I always look to go out to the next best restaurant, go out to the next best cocktail bar. Uh, and you know, usually finish my day with a great martini. Because you're you're a fan as well. I mean, you wouldn't be in this yeah. if you weren't a fan of the of what you're doing and the product exactly. that you're providing, right? Exactly. That's yeah, what, I, that's what I, I, I profession. My, my, I don't play sports. I, I I eat and drink for sport. That's yeah. what I, mean. <laughs> I think that's Amen what we do as well. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Adam, well, this such, has been great, such a great Adam. conversation with you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, normally we take a commercial break in the middle, but we had so much to cover and you were so, um, you know, generous with your with your information uh, that we didn't didn't even take a break. Um, if anyone wanted to follow along with your hijinks, is there any way they can do that? Is there social media that you'd like to mention? You know, to be honest with you, I am not, I'm very, my, my, my PR team is on the phone right now. They're listening and they know I am terrible <laughs> about that. Um, I am, I'm kind of too, I'm kind of too busy. I, I, I rely very heavy uh, on my, my, my head of PR, Amber Fowl, to keep me in check. Usually you can find all the good things that are happening about us at Hilton, specifically on my LinkedIn. Uh, I am quite active there, kind of talking about all the great initiatives partnerships, uh, engagement that we have, introduction of new products, et cetera. Uh, so that's usually where you'll find me is on mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Uh, my my Instagram and such is you know probably something that, that is a little bit to be desired. Uh, I need to get better with that. I just, uh, you know, I got to find more time in my day. Listen, if you don't have time for that, that's probably a, a good thing. Um, well, again, this has been a fascinating conversation, and we're very excited here in New York for the launch of the Waldorf Astoria. Um, I'll, totally. Greg and I will certainly be there. Maybe we can get Damon to fly over from I'll California and join us. I'll be there, I'll be there for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, we'll definitely be our guest at the Waldorf Astoria. Please come visit us at the Tempo in Times Square. Yeah, and, we'll, we'll uh, visit I'm, that as I'm well. On, I'm on the West Coast a lot, Damon. I'm in L.A. all the time. We have a couple of very big projects happening out in Los Angeles very soon. So, uh, you know, love to see you guys again. And uh, thanks for making the yeah. time to have me. Yeah, yeah. same, same. It's our pleasure. Awesome. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network. For many more programs like this one, stay at the almost seven thousand locations of Hilton properties, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and be be part of this with you know with with all of us who are trying to move 
uh, not only health and wellness, but even just like the the health and wellness of the planet when it comes to the bar and restaurant world, you know, uh, with using these uh, reusable packaging. Like, like there's just, it, there's so many great initiatives that it sounds like you have employed and I'm really glad to hear about it. Well, I thank everyone for listening to the show as always. And thank you all for being here. And until next week, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Heritage Radio Network.